Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 9, Text 19. Asyanubhavam Bhagavan Veda Guyatamang Shivaha Rajar Shir Narada Sakshad Bhagavan Kapilo Nripa Asyanu Bhavam Bhagavan Veda Guyatamam Shiva Devarshi Narada Sakshad Bhagavan Kapilo Nripa Asyanu Bhavam Bhagavan Veda Guyatamam Shiva Devarshi Narada Sakshad Bhagavan Kapilo Nripa. Please chant. Asya of him, Anubhavam, glories, Bhagavan, the most powerful, Veda, knows, Guya Tamam, very confidentially, Shiva, Lord Shiva, Devarshi, 
the great sage among the demigods, Narada, Narada Muni, Sakshat, directly, Bhagavan, personality of Godhead, Kapila, Kapila, Ripa, O King, O King, a translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki. O King, Lord Shiva, Narada, the sage amongst the demigods, and Kapila, the incarnation of Godhead, all know very confidentially about His glories. All know very confidentially about his glories through direct contact. Pure devotees of the Lord are all bhavas or persons who know the glories of the Lord in different transcendental loving services. As the Lord has innumerable expansions of his plenary form, there are innumerable pure devotees of the Lord who are engaged in the exchange of service of different humors. Ordinarily, there are twelve great devotees of the Lord, namely Brahma, Narda, Shiva, Kumara, Kapila, Manu, Prahlad, Bhishma, Janaka, Shugadev Goswami, Bali Maharaj and Yamaraj. Bhishma Dev, although one of them has mentioned only three important names of the twelve who know the glories of the Lord. Srila Vishvanatha Chakravarti Thakur, one of the great Acharyas in the modern age, explains that Anubhav, or the glory of the Lord, is first appreciated by the devotee in ecstasy manifesting the symptoms of perspiring, trembling, weeping, bodily eruptions, etc., which are further enhanced by steady understanding of the glories of the Lord. Such different understandings of bhavas are exchanged between Yashoda and the Lord in the pastime of binding the rope the, the Lord with robes, and in the chariot driving by the Lord in the exchange of love, Arjuna. These glories of the Lord are exhibited in his being subordinated before his devotees, and that is another feature of the glories of the Lord. Shukadev Goswami and the Kumaras, although situated in the transcendental position, became converted by another feature of bhava and turned into pure devotees of the Lord. Tribulations imposed upon the devotees by the Lord constitute another exchange of transcendental bhava between the Lord and his devotees. The Lord says, I put my devotee into difficulty, and thus 
the devotee becomes more purified in exchanging transcendental bhava with me. Placing the devotee into material troubles necessitates delivering him from the illusory material relations. The material relations are based on reciprocation of material enjoyment, which depends mainly on material resources. Therefore, when material resources are withdrawn by the Lord, the devotee is cent percent attracted toward the transcendental loving service of the Lord. Thus the Lord snatches the fallen soul from the mire of material existence. Tribulations offered by the Lord to his devotee are different from the tribulations resulting from vicious action. All these glories of the Lord are specially known to the great Mahajans like Brahma, Shiva, Narada, Kapila, Kumar, and Bhishma, as mentioned above, and one is able to grasp it by their grace. Omagyana timirandasya gyananjana shalakaya chakshuvarun militam yena tasmaya shri gure gurvenam. I was born in the darkest of ignorance, and my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge because of his unlimited mercy and compassion to awaken the fallen sleeping souls in this material world. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. O King, Lord Shiva, Narada, the sage among the demigods, and Kapila, the incarnation of Godhead, all know very confidentially about his glories through direct contact. Bhishma Dev is speaking to Yudhisthira Maharaj. He's addressing him, O King. <clears throat> Prabhupada, in the purport, is now unpacking, expanding this aspect of the Lord's glories in reference to the Sanskrit term bhavam. Asyanubhavam, anubhavam, bhavam. And Sakshat, direct, that the the confidential devotees of the Lord, they understand the glories of the Lord um, through direct contacts, Sakshat, and specifically the glories of the Lord in relationship to his devotees, how he responds or reciprocates with different devotees differently that um, this is the glories of the Lord and that the the, the uh, devotees, the confidential devotees understand how the Lord is dealing with his devotees in relationship. So direct con- uh, direct contact Sakshat, 
So this is important. Um, in as a devotee becomes more purified through the practice of devotional service, uh, this direct perception of the Lord will become uh, will become more prevalent. This will become the experience uh, that the Lord will be perceived directly. Bhagavad Gita also says direct direct perception of the, of the self. But uh, it's only possible for the devotee to directly have direct contact or direct perception of the Lord and the spiritual reality through purified senses. And Rupa Goswami explains this in um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Atta Shri Krishna Namadi Nabhaved Grayam Indriya Sevan Mukhi Jivadao Svayam Eva Spurat Yada No one can understand the transcendental nature of the name, form, quality, and pastimes of Sri Krishna through his materially contaminated senses. Only when one becomes spiritually saturated by transcendental service to the Lord are the transcendental name, form, quality, and pastimes of the Lord revealed to him. So that saksha, that direct contact, direct perception of the Lord and his nature and his form, his pastimes. This happens um, through the purified senses when one is, as it says here, saturated or absorbed. Uh, You could think of the image comes to mind of the sponge. So if you have a sponge in your kitchen or wherever, uh, and you put it next to some substance, it will absorb that substance. It will become full of that liquid. So this is what needs to happen to our senses in order to become purified and thereby directly perceive Krishna, his name, his form, and his pastimes. Nectar of Instruction, text 8, explains this further. So in text 1, Nectar of Instruction explains that the business of human life is to control the mind and senses. Um, And then text 8 is kind of like the progression so text one gives us the introduction that a person who can tolerate the vachovegam, manasakrota vegam, it can tolerate the urges of the senses. Um, and then the progression in now text eight says the essence of all advice is that one should utilize one's full time, 24 hours a day, in nicely chanting and remembering the Lord's divine name, transcendental form, qualities, and eternal pastimes, thereby gradually engaging one's tongue and mind. In this way, one should reside 
in Vrindavan and serve under the guidance of devotees. One should follow in the footsteps of the Lord's beloved devotees who are deeply attached to his devotional service. So that um, that quality of absorption is what facilitates purified senses in devotional service. Because Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita, the 11th chapter, he says to Arjuna, My dear Arjuna, only by undivided devotional service can I be understood as I am standing before you and can thus be seen directly. Only in this way can you enter into the mysteries of my understanding. And then again, in in the 18th, 18th chapter, he, so in, in conclusion, he wraps it up and he repeats this instruction to Arjuna. One can understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead as he is only by devotional service. And when one is in full consciousness of the Supreme Lord by such devotion, he can enter into the kingdom of God. So the same instruction twice in the 11th chapter, and then again in the 18th, one of the final instructions. Only in this way can we know Krishna as he is and perceive him directly, sakshat. So what is it that uh, prevents us from understanding Krishna or seeing him uh, as he is or directly? That is... Uh, the analogy is given that there's a curtain of maya, of, maya, of illusion, uh, between the, the living entity and Krishna, which doesn't allow us to perceive him. Maya shakti, the illusion potency. Even, even Krishna can be standing right in front of you and you won't see him because that's his mystic potency to hide himself if he so desires. So, so illusion. Illusion is what separates the living entity from the spiritual reality. And Krishna is very kind to his devotees that uh, if you are engaged in devotional service, he will, he will agree to remove your illusion if that is what you do so desire. Um, even if you don't, he may, if he's kind enough upon you, he really, is that saying, if Krishna likes you, he'll give you what you want, and if Krishna really loves you, then he'll take everything away. Um, I believe that was a Prabhupadvani quote, but here in Chaitanya Charitamrita is the Shastra Praman for that uh, dynamic in the Madhya Lila chapter 20, which is entitled The Process of Devotional Service. This dynamic of how Krishna removes uh, the illusions of his devotees is explained 
So I'll just read a few verses. I'll kind of skip through to get the essence of that point of how Krishna removes his his devotees' illusions. A human's be a human being's activities should be centered only on devotional service to Lord Krishna. That is the verdict of all Vedic literatures, and all saintly people have firmly concluded this. Expansions of his personal self, like the quadruple manifestations of Sankarshan, Pradyumna, Aniruddha, and Vasudeva, descend as incarnations from Vaikuntha to this material world. The separated expansions are the living entities. Although they are expansions of Krishna, they are counted among his different potencies. That's why we fall into illusion, because we're his separated different potencies. Krishna doesn't fall into illusion, but we do. The living entity, jivas, are divided into two categories. Some are eternally, eternally liberated and others are eternally conditioned. Those who are eternally liberated are always awake to Krishna consciousness and they render transcendental loving service at the feet of Lord Krishna. They are considered eternal associates of Krishna and they are eternally enjoying the transcendental bliss of serving Krishna. Apart from the ever-liberated devotees, there are the conditioned souls who always turn away from the service of the Lord they are perpetually conditioned in this material world and are subjected to the material tribulations. Is that word again? Tribulations means sufferings, difficulties. It was in today's verse in the purport. Tribulations. They are always subjected to material tribulations brought about by different bodily forms and hellish conditions. Quote, due to his being opposed to Krishna consciousness, the conditioned soul is punished by the witch of the external energy maya. He is thus ready to suffer the threefold miseries, miseries brought about by the body and mind, the inimical behavior of others, and natural disturbances caused by the demigods. So it's adidaivika, adibautika, adiatmika. My own miseries by my my body and mind, Adidaivika, by other living entities, and Adibotika by weather and natural disasters. Threefold miseries. What we signed up for. In this way, the conditioned soul becomes the servant of lusty desires, and when these are not fulfilled, it becomes the servant of anger and continues to be kicked by the external energy, Maya. Wandering and wandering throughout the universe, he may, by chance, get the association of a devotee physician whose instructions and hymns make the witch of the external energy flee. The conditioned soul thus gets into touch with devotional service to Lord Krishna. And in this way, he can approach 
Lord. The whole verse. Whose instructions and hymns, songs. Hymns, songs, yeah. Devotee physician. The living entity is bound around the neck by the chain of Maya because he has forgotten that he is eternally a servant of Krishna. If the conditioned soul engages in the service of the Lord and simultaneously carries out the orders of his spiritual master and serves him, he can get out of the clutches of Maya and become eligible for shelter at Krishna's lotus feet. Krishna is compared to sunshine and Maya is compared to darkness. Wherever there is sunshine, there cannot be darkness. As soon as one takes to Krishna consciousness, the darkness of illusion will immediately vanish. The external illusory energy of Krishna, known as Maya, is always ashamed to stand in front of Krishna, just as darkness is ashamed to remain before the sunshine. However, that Maya bewilders people who have no intelligence. Thus they simply boast that this material world is theirs and that they are its enjoyers. One is immediately freed from the clutches of Maya if he seriously and sincerely prays, My dear Lord Krishna, although I have forgotten you for so many long years in the material world, today I am surrendering to you. I am your sincere and serious servant. Please, Engage me in your service. This should be our constant prayer. Krishna responds, It is my vow that if one only once seriously surrenders unto me, saying, My dear Lord, from this day I am yours, and praise to me for courage, I shall immediately award courage to that person, and he will always remain safe from that time on. Ah, here we get to the... Now, if those who desire material enjoyment... Ah. However, due to bad association, the living entity desires material happiness, liberation, or merging into the impersonal aspect of the Lord, or he engages in mystic yoga for material power, If such a person actually becomes intelligent, he takes to Krishna consciousness by engaging himself in intense devotional service to Lord Krishna. So Bhagavatam does explain in other places that even if one does have other desires, you should go to Krishna to get those, that no matter what your condition is still, you should come and do devotional service. Whether one desires everything or nothing, or whether he desires to merge into the existence of the Lord, he is intelligent if he worships Lord Krishna by rendering devotional service. If those who desire material enjoyment or merging into the existence of the impersonal uh, truth engage in the Lord's uh, transcendental loving service, they will immediately attain shelter at Krishna's lotus feet. Although they did not ask for it, 
Krishna is therefore very merciful. Krishna says, if one engages in my transcendental loving service, but at the same time wants the opulence of material enjoyment, he is very, very foolish. Indeed, he is just like a person who gives up nectar to drink poison. Since I am very intelligent, why shall I give this fool material prosperity? Instead, I shall induce him to take the nectar of the shelter of my lotus feet and make him forget illusory material enjoyment. Whenever Krishna is requested to fulfill one's desire, he undoubtedly does so, but he does not award anything which, after being enjoyed, will cause one to petition him again and again to fulfill further desires. When one has other desires but engages in the Lord's service, Krishna forcibly gives one shelter at his lotus feet where one will forget all other desires. When one, when someone engages in Lord's devotional service for the satisfaction of the senses, instead he will acquire a taste for serving Krishna. So this, this is how the Lord works. He sees everything in our heart. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our impurities. He just simply sees the sincerity that you're engaging in my service. Sometimes he will give us those material um, desires that we are seeking. But at the same time, he may just take everything away. But even when he does that, he's giving you shelter. Sometimes his mercy comes in the form of tribulations, of suffering. This is also his mercy. We sometimes uh, equate purification and difficulty in our movement. We'll say, oh, Prabhu, I'm undergoing some purification here. It means that we're having some difficulty, some suffering that might help us to kind of remove that curtain of illusion of thinking that there is happiness in this material world. That's also Krishna's mercy. So sometimes that that difficulty that Krishna gives to us is is part of the purification process. Um, it's literally making us disillusioned with the material world, disenchanted. We're we're disappointed. We're finding out the true nature of, of, of what is the material world. Because uh, Bhagavad Gita explains very clearly that uh, material sense gratification is the source of misery. So <clears throat> I'd like to leave that point aside that it's this illusion that um, doesn't allow us to directly perceive Krishna. Krishna, by his mercy, will remove that illusion from us through the practice of devotional service, slowly or quickly, depending on his uh, it's his prerogative. It's really his desire how long he takes to do that. But in this purport, Prabhupada is making it very clear that the glories of the Lord, asya 
anubhavam, bhagavan, that those devotees who are engaged in relationship with the Lord, they can understand the glories of the Lord in relationship. And the more that we develop that aspect, this is actually called Bhagavat Dharma. Uh, Bhagavat Dharma means uh, developing your relationship with Krishna, your personal relationship with Krishna. And I'll just mention, uh, because Prabhupada said in the purport that these glories of the Lord are exhibited in his being subordinated before his devotees. That is another feature of the glories of the Lord. So the glories of the Lord are very extensive, how he uh, reciprocates and deals with his devotees. And he mentions Mother Yashoda binding the Lord with ropes. And he mentions the Lord driving Arjuna's chariot. So you can see how the Lord takes a position with his devotee according to that bhava, according to that relationship that the devotee wishes to have with the Lord. These glories of the Lord are exhibited in his being subordinated before his devotees. This is another feature of the glories of the Lord. So I just wanted to read a little bit about that from Nectar of Devotion because it's it's an amazing aspect of the Supreme Personality of Godhead that he becomes subordinated by the love of his devotee. So to understand a little bit more about this, of course we have to know about this Asya Nubhavam Bhagavan, about how the Lord relates with his devotees. So I'll just read a little bit about. When Mother Yashoda heard that Krishna's cows were being forcibly moved by the strong servants of Kamsa, and that the tender cowherd boys were trying to protect their cows, she began to think, how can I protect these poor boys from the invasion of Kamsa's servants? This is an instance of, superior, of a superior attitude in a devotee. So this was Mother Yashoda's relationship with Krishna, not only protecting him, also chastising him when he was mischievous so that he would have good values when he grew up. So this was her way of serving Krishna. This is how the eternally liberated devotees serve Krishna, it's uh, through relationship. This is actually their service. As soon as Mother Yashoda found her son retu- Krishna returning from the pasturing ground, she immediately began to pat him, touching her fingers to the cheeks of the Lord. So Mother Yashoda and the other devotees in Vrindavan who uh, they are in they are considered in a Superior, uh, superiority, um, parenthood, superiority, relationship to Krishna. Um, they're always worried about him, that he's fed properly, that he's safe. Does he have shoes on his feet? Here we read about how Kamsa, you know, Kamsa's, 
Tecumseh's servants were trying to, you know, hurt the cows. And, you know, of course, Krishna's job is to protect the cows. Some of the Yashoda's like, oh, I have to protect Krishna. They're always concerned. They're always worried about Krishna. They're waiting for Krishna to come back from the pasturing grounds. Where is he? They did. It said that they're they're just waiting for him to come back. As soon as they see a little bit of dust, the dust starts to rise in the evening when the boys come home. Uh, Krishna and Balaram, they go out during the day every day to take the cows out to to eat grass and play at the river, and, um, and then they have their picnics and they. They enjoy their friendship together. But at a certain time, they have to go home. You know, they have to go home, and then that's when their parents get to serve them. So they're bringing the cows home in the evening, and it's there's so many cows that the cows, they actually kick up a lot of dust because Vrindavan uh, is very... The, the dust of, of Vrindavan is very... Soft and when you if you move to it, it gets kicked up. So actually, Yashoda and the other devotees in the superiority uh, relationship, as soon as they start to see that dust rising on the horizon, they know, oh, Krishna's coming. So as soon as they see that, they're they're outside and they're waiting to greet him. Now is our time to serve him. Now he's coming back and. He has to be bathed and dressed and so many services that they will do because Krishna can't, as far as they understand, Krishna can't take care of himself very well. They have to, if they don't protect him and take care of him, then Krishna will be in trouble. So these are the glories of the Lord in relationship with his devotees. And this is the from today's verse, Asya Anubhavam Bhagavan. Krishna is understood in relationship with his devotees, but that this is very confidential. I'll read the verse again. O King, Lord Shiva, Narada, the sage amongst the demigods, and Kapila, the incarnation of God, it all know very confidentially about his glories through direct contact. So we spoke about what is that direct contact, what prevents us, or the, the illusion that prevents us from that direct contact. Then we tried to understand a little bit about uh, how the Lord relates with his devotees. So if anybody would like to add anything, any contributions or comments. Okay, the question is, yeah, okay, let me see if I've got this right. What does okay? What does say it again? What does Krishna? How okay? How how does the devotee's relationship with Krishna uh, affect the relationship with other devotees? Is that right? Oh oh! How does how do the devotee's relationship with each other affect our relationship with Krishna? Is that right? Yes. Mm. 
I I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Maybe somebody else wants to. Thank you. So, well, let me paraphrase it. So he he started out by saying that the Shuddha Bhakata, this bhajan, that uh, service to the Vaishnavas is the root of the bhakti lata, the the creeper of devotional service. And then that this is actually the foundation of Vaishnava relationships or the six loving exchanges is that this is how we practice spiritual uh, relationships with one another. And by so doing, by by engaging in that... Actually, I'll just add a little something that, you know, I've been reading a lot lately. Lord Chaitanya said it in a few different places that... Uh, the first characteristic of a, of a Vaishnava is that he gives up asatyanga tyag. He gives up non-devotee association. And just now, it's almost like um, being in devotee sadhu sangha, you know, so adao shraddha sadhu sangha. This is the platform by which we practice, um, yes, devotional relationships, devotional exchanges. So he said six characterized by six, you know, and that the essence of this is to give up envy, to become a giver, and that uh, this is how we practice and that it will lead to... So in other words, according to what the devotees are saying here, that yes, our relationship with devotees does have some effect on our relationship with Krishna. Same point is being made as service in the in the life of Narada Muni, how uh, serving the the great uh, devotees, he was able to achieve such a elevated you know, position. So, so yes, that service to the devotees is the platform of of further devotional service and service to Krishna. This is what the assembled Vaishnavas are saying. So simply by Prabhupada's association, we are now having association with each other and with Krishna and practicing devotional service. This is the practice of devotional service. And as we were reading earlier too, that even when somebody engages in devotional service with material desires, Krishna will still give that person shelter. That is his nature. That is his nature, that even if we come to him and we do service with material desires, still he'll give us shelter and eventually he'll remove any illusions that we have in his you know, in his service. So only take shelter of Krishna in relationship with his devotees. Thank you for that added dimension because that was very nice. Not just Krishna, but also Krishna's devotees. Thank you for your contributions. Rantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.